0: and read my latest articles, or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. I'm excited to introduce part two of a special three-part series about the talent strategies required to address the looming skills gap, build the future workforce, and accelerate transformation. This series is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world applications. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Lauren Kaladrobitz, Executive Director of Diversity Marketplace Solutions at Tech Systems. Lauren, uh, why don't you f- uh, first tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Tech Systems?
1: Awesome. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. As you said, uh, I lead our marketplace diversity strategy here at Tech Systems. I'm based in Denver, Colorado, so, avid fan of the outdoors. And I've been with Tech Systems for almost 10 years. I started my career in recruiting and sales, and for the past four years, I've been in a sales leadership capacity. Throughout my career, I've been really passionate about creating a more inclusive and equitable workforce at TechSystems and for the customers that I've supported. That led me to stand up our marketplace diversity division earlier this year. So TechSystems has a 3 prong approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Workforce, um, really about the people, Workplace, about the inclusive experience of the people, and Marketplace, helping our customers advance their DEI goals. So what we found is that most organizations have set really aggressive goals in this diversity, equity, inclusion space, but technology teams have struggled to really take those strategies and create tactical solutions to reach the goals. So that's where I play, Um, helping organizations with creative solutions on how to build more diverse teams and an overall more inclusive technology workforce.
0: Great. Well, looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, So just kind of dive in here and uh, start out. um, Inclusion, diversity, and equity can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Um, I know it's a broad question, but to start, uh, can you share some perspective on what do those terms mean to you?
1: So at a high level, when I think about these words, I really think about creating a workplace, a community, and overall just a world where people are celebrated for their differences, but they also have the opportunity to thrive no matter the cards that someone's been dealt in life. So diversity, that starts with representation, all about the different groups, gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, age, socioeconomic status, Um, Equity is about creating fairness in opportunity and experience for all of those different groups, um, no matter what advantages or lack of advantages someone has. And inclusion is ultimately that glue that really ties everything together. So for me, inclusion is really about creating a sense of belonging where every person feels empowered to show up as their authentic self and be recognized for who they are and what they bring instead of having to conform to be exactly like everyone else.
0: So equity in theory is relatively simple, but could you talk about what equity should look like in practice in the workplace?
1: Yeah, for for equity to be successful in the workplace, I think what's really key is that it's not a one-size-fits-all model. If you try to give every person the exact same thing in the workplace, you're actually going to end up promoting a lot of the inequalities that exist in a current system. So The people that have advantages, like something simple as working right next door to your boss, are going to continue to benefit if everyone has the exact same thing. So really what companies um, should look to create is systems that remove biases from the hiring, retention, collaboration, and promotion processes. Um, Leaders need to have these specific processes so that people can have access that may not have access already. So I'll give you an example. At Tech, we created this transparency of opportunity process for all leadership jobs so that potential candidates can be visible so that every person that's being interviewed, you make sure there's a diverse panel that you're really thinking about outside the box. And it's been really effective with helping um, to promote more diversity. But in addition to systems like this, uh, companies really need to work with individuals and small targeted groups, um, specifically people that are underrepresented for one-on-one coaching. So you kind of have that balance of the big systems, the individual attention, because just one size fits all isn't going to work. I try to simplify it a little bit by saying like, it's about process, it's about transparency, it's about openness, and ultimately it's about communication.
0: What are some of the reasons that companies tend to struggle with creating equity in the workplace?
1: I think you did on the last question when you talked about um, that equity is simple. Um, That's definitely true. But when I think about the implementation here, that's where it gets really complex. And I think where that starts is usually over a confusion of the terms of equity versus equality. The words come up together all the time. And when you think of equality, it means that every single person gets the exact same thing. When you think about equity, it means that people are treated fairly. So in a lot of different organizations, discussions around equity get stuck because companies are actually seeking for equality. They're trying to make every person in process equal. The problem is that not every person has the same advantages in work and life um, where equality could be really effective. So I think about a really easy example for a lot of people to understand is when you talk about someone that is physically handicapped, let's just talk about someone that is deaf um, versus someone that is able-bodied, fully able-bodied. So you think about that deaf individual, most people would agree that they don't have the same advantages at work that every single person has. Um, I think about just us, we're recording a podcast today, like they, they couldn't listen to the podcast the exact same way. So when you think about equity, the goal is not that I, as an able-bodied person and this uh, handicapped individual, need to have the exact same thing, um, but a lot of organizations get stuck in trying to do the same in ch- instead of trying to create fairness so that that individual could have the same access to trainings, tools, and experiences that someone was able-bodied um, does. Yeah. And I think that's where it's really challenging is because companies struggle and how do you build that fairness? Um, Because it's not as simple as just give everyone the same thing. So I think that's where a lot of things get uh, really stuck. But you know that if you do it really well, you're not only going to have happy employees, you're going to have a lot of different perspectives that ultimately are brought to the table in an organization.
0: Moving to diversity in, in the workplace, I mean, you know, there's countless studies that show more diverse companies, whether it's leadership teams or, or the workforce, have have um, advantages. But you know, what are what are some of the barriers to increasing this? You know, if um, despite some of the the findings, why aren't companies making more progress in in increasing diversity in, in the technology profession?
1: Well, it's definitely not for a lack of caring or a lack of effort. Um, a lot of organizations, like you said, they're committed. People know it's beneficial. Um, But I think there's a couple, for me, there's a couple key barriers that I talk with a lot of individuals about. And the first one um, is really about that technology talent gap. So IT unemployment has stayed below 2% since the second quarter of this year. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they've talked about the IT profession's growth 14% over 10 years. That's double the national average. Some skills are even higher than that. And then you add in the remote job component. Um... They remote jobs have increased 178% in IT since the start of the pandemic. So it just means that finding people is nearly impossible today in technology. And then you add in, I'd like to find diverse candidates, people from underrepresented groups at the same time. And it is just really, really challenging. Um, A lot of people don't think about the fact that in IT, there's around only 40% minorities, 26% women. So just limited supply, high demand is the first barrier. The second one, Greg, that I think a lot about is really about like the current hiring models um, that plays a really big role. Um, A lot of organizations, they lever recruiters and HR, um, empower technology managers and leaders to find talent. Um, But when a position opens, the leaders that are hiring are really thinking, I care about diversity, but I need to move really quickly. So they say, hey, HR recruiters, can you help us find diverse candidates Um, without necessarily looking at, hey, what's that job profile? What are the hiring processes? What's the interview panel going to look like? And whether you and I like it or not, uh, unconscious bias tends to play a role. We are going to hire people that are like us, especially when we have to move quickly. So I think it's really about people have great intentions, but when you think about the demand for talent, the low supply, and then the challenges that exist in current hiring models, it's really been challenging to see dramatic changes in relation to diversity.
0: So to, to move to the... The inclusion component of this. So, you know, what are some strategies for companies to help them cultivate empathy and inclusion in their in their workforce?
1: Uh, I, I really love this question because I believe that inclusion is really that key value when you talk about diversity, equity and inclusion and in making a difference. If you have a sense of belonging um, and people are authentic, they're going to want to stay when well, they're not covering up part of themselves. So I think there's, a, there's probably like three or four things that I feel like are really impactful if you're not doing them today. Um, one of the first ones I think about are employee research groups or employee networks. If you do not have these in place, they really are mission critical um, to create systems where employees feel heard and supported. So there's a lot of best practices that you can look up, but it's ultimately creating a safe space for like-minded or similar individuals. Um, And allowing people to speak their truths, really creating areas where people can talk to leadership, can share how they're feeling. Um, Something else that I really think about is really that self-development component. So when I talk about self-development, I'm not just thinking like, hey, go online and complete a training course. Um, I'm thinking about um, opportunities where people can really focus on understanding themselves, understanding what are their values, who they are, where are they trying to get? Um, Because if people understand themselves and how they're motivated, they're gonna be able to show up in that authentic way. So we've done some workshops before around like building your brand at work, understanding your purpose, mapping out your journey line, just really investing in people in that kind of way. Um, Two other things that I just wanna highlight briefly, One would be creating a formal um, place for conversation, so thinking about training and allowing people to talk through those types of trainings and really um, feel comfortable understanding the concepts. And lastly is leadership, maybe the most important, uh, because if leaders don't understand why it's important to be empathetic and inclusive and how to do it effectively, it's going to be really hard to make lasting change.
0: Yeah. And uh, kind of along those lines, um, you know, why do you think that diverse candidates tend to drop out of the technology pipeline as their careers progress? So, you know, not even necessarily getting to the, those leadership positions where then they could influence more decisions.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It ties directly into the leadership component because leaderships play such a big role. Um, and what you're talking about, it's not just a problem in technology, Um, It's really a problem throughout the larger workforce. And I think the challenges and why people drop out really ties a lot into that leadership. Um, Two things, representation and access. Um, With representation, like you said, there's still a lot of white males, nothing wrong with that, but there's still a lot of those individuals that hold the positions of power. So when candidates from underrepresented groups advance in their careers um, and they don't see people like themselves, they start to not believe that there is a career possible for them and start to lose faith. And part of that has to do with the second thing, which is access. So if you think about um, if you are not like the people that are in leadership jobs, you're not likely gonna have the same access because you don't have a common um, connection. So I think about a simple example of golf. Um, Many executive and leaders use golf as a regular way to build relationships and move things forward and develop individuals earlier in their career. But if you didn't grow up or learn how to golf, which is a lot of the candidates from diverse backgrounds, um, you miss a lot of those opportunities to build stronger relationships. So you don't see the representation, you don't have the access. So people start to lose faith that they can advance in their careers. It's not an obstacle that can't be overcome. It's just one that if you're sitting in that position of power and leadership, you have to be super, super intentional about how you're connecting with people that are different from you so that people can start to have faith that they can advance in their careers.
0: Yeah, and to kind of build on that, um, you've touched on some of this already, but um, you know, what would you say that organizations often overlook or or underestimate when it comes to building a more diverse workforce?
1: I could definitely talk about this subject forever because I feel like there's a Mm -hmm. million avenues to go. But I think first is a concept we haven't really talked about yet, which is really about retention. Um, Organizations put so much effort into the finding people that the overall program of how do you keep people sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. You have a lot of individual things going on, but not a holistic look at your retention strategy, whether that's um, how you're going to make voices heard, how you're going to create access, like some of the programs we talked about, but really looking at that retention holistically. And secondly, probably more importantly, um, we talked about the numbers. There is only 40% minority and 26% women in IT today. That means that the IT workforce is 60% white and 74% male. So when organizations say, let's be more diverse, Uh, can you source some diverse candidates? A lot of times people aren't thinking about the fact of how limited the talent pool is, especially in roles like software engineering and security. So if organizations are really committed to building more diverse workforces, they have to look at creative solutions like early talent upskilling programs to really start to build that talent instead of just fishing in the same pond um, that's really competitive.
0: As organizations, if you try to measure success and improve these these not only diversity, equity, inclusion within the organizations, but the programs that are, that are running these things. Um, you know, what are some met- benchmarks or metrics they should be using to you know, to, to see how they're doing and and to try to get better.
1: There's, um, a couple of things that I would really recommend. First of all, there's some organizations, including corn fairy and people fluent, um, who have created stages of diversity, maturing maturity models that are pretty standard. So if you're trying to go down this journey, highly recommend looking into some of these maturity models, because your benchmarks that you're going to want to set are going to be based on where you are from maturity standpoint, you got to start somewhere. And then you advance, um, on the progression, but if your journey is just beginning, some, a few things to think about as you're getting started. First of all, hiring. Um, you should be thinking about goals for gender and racial or ethnic demographics. Don't base these goals on random numbers you want to achieve. Think about the communities where your company exists and the skill sets you hire and base your goals off of what the talent is out there. Um, secondly, think about leadership. A really big a really great metric is looking at your demographics once you get into different types of leadership um, leadership um, roles. And then think about as you move up, trying to keep that representation. Third, I think about retention. Um, all organizations track their retention, but really start to look at your rep- your retention not just in one specific group, Um, but across different demographics and really try to make sure those underrepresented groups match the retention rates of the majority. If you're further along your progression, um, the last thing I would really be thinking about is more about inclusion. Um, One great thing is when you start to look at leaders and create some metrics for inclusion for the leaders. And your performance and your ability to grow in your leadership career is based upon how you've built diverse teams and created inclusivity. But that's something you're gonna to wanna to think about once you already have those baseline metrics in place.
0: Well, I know we've talked about a lot of a lot of different aspects of this, but um, just wanna ask you, do you have any other advice or Recommendations for organizations to consider with regards to their inclusion, diversity, or equity programs.
1: I know we talked a lot about the challenges today on the podcast. So um, I do want to say that despite all these challenges, making real change in DEI and technology is very possible. However, the only way to get beyond just reporting this demographic data and actually creating lasting change with more diverse and inclusive workforces is to do things differently. So as technology leaders, um, you're in a space to leverage the expertise of DEI and i leadership internally and externally to build programs that can fit in your technology ecosystems. This doesn't need to be something that prevents your projects from accelerating and moving forward. Um, it can be something that can ultimately add to that, but you got to think a little bit outside the box. So for a lot of leaders or people thinking of where do you start, um, look at your diversity of your teams today. Then think about where are you planning on investing in technology hiring for major projects? And then think about how you can align and build out programs where you're solving your technology needs and you're looking at diversity at the same time. So really just want to encourage people, you can solve the talent gaps, the diversity gaps, and still be able to get work done. Um, You just got to think a little bit differently.
0: I love love those thoughts and, and totally agree. Well, Lauren, this has been a great conversation. Really appreciate you sharing your perspective.
1: Thanks, Greg. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Thanks.
0: Well, again, I'd like to thank Lauren Kalodrobits from Tech Systems for joining the show. Learn more about Tech Systems and their perspective at TechSystems.com. I'm Greg Kilstrom. Thanks for listening to the Agile World. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.